Welcome back to another episode of the Summits Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Um, we are winding our way out of summer and into fall uh, here in the Midwest. So you know what that means. That means a little bit of uh, changing of the colors of the leaves. It's getting a little bit chillier out now. I don't know about you guys. September, I like. It's yeah, one of my favorite um, months. Yep. It's not quite as hot during the day. A little bit yeah. cooler at night <clears throat> with... Uh, climate change i guess that's more now <laughs> the back end of september early october it's a but shifting target now. we won't get into all that yeah. it's my birthday month so that helps oh yeah. yeah well there you go nice. well everyone's saying happy birthday, happy birthday yeah. to uh, daniel nah, you don't have to. okay funny. no what are you like uh 17 yeah yeah at 17 i can uh i can vote next year so Sweet. yeah be great. Yeah. awesome yeah. So good. um you guys know that uh, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so with that in mind, we've got a special guest today, Miss Jenny Brown. Jenny, welcome to the Summits Podcast. Oh, thank you. Why don't uh, you give us a little background story? I, I know some of it, but I'll let you share. Sure. I am a Hoosier, born and raised, which because I so love dramatic landscapes and mountains and all that kind of good stuff, um, always seemed like kind of a bummer place to be. Um, I grew up on the northeast side of Indianapolis and was an IPS Montessori kid most of my life and then went to Cathedral, go Irish, um, for high school. Wow. <laughs> I have to say here real quick, so Jenny and I did know each other a little bit back in high school, had a lot of similar friends. I went to Chittard, she went to Cathedral, so we were kind of like rival high schools, yeah. but at the same time, like literally a lot of the kids that grew up in our area could have gone any either. either one or and yeah. probably two or three or four other high schools as well yeah. so yeah. it's it's funny how all that it comes is back. and it might be that you know maybe Shatard didn't accept me or something my parents just oh, never stop. told me that <laughs> 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 um so yeah then from high school I went on to Miami of Ohio so That's didn't right. get too far yeah. out of Indiana but you know did hop over to Ohio for college did it go out west no, did you, did you I think about it given I, the, you know, I don't know why I didn't. It's okay. one of my life regrets actually, yeah. you know, yeah. Miami was a really beautiful campus. I had a really good experience there, but yeah, I'm looking back, I'm like, why didn't I go to Oregon or Colorado <laughs> yeah. or somewhere really yeah. cool to yeah. get my start there. But what drew you to Miami, Ohio besides the campus? I'm not really even sure. Okay. I think it. What'd you major in? Uh, journalism and okay. political science. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I was going to be a hard-hitting reporter, um, really root out government corruption, and I ended up in marketing and PR. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know where the jobs were. It was at yeah. a time where a lot of newspapers are going under, and right. Yeah. So um, took my job where I could find it. Um, yeah, worked. In Indianapolis, my whole life, you know, from nonprofits, corporate sector, market research, kind of bounced around um, a lot of different jobs. Um, I was working at the IU School of Medicine mm -hmm. and had been there just over a year when I got tagged with that C word <laughs> and was definitely at the right place at the right time. And, you know, I was in my 40s. I was 43 when I oh. first got diagnosed in 2016. And it wasn't until then that I realized, you know, how lucky it is to live and work in Indianapolis, where we have such amazing talent 
for handling cancer, especially right. breast cancer. So. Well, I guess that's probably a, a pretty um, good segue at that point. Um, so, I, again, as I mentioned to you guys, uh, yeah, October being Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So, Jenny, what is your cancer story? Well, it's a fast-moving story. <laughs> um, I was diagnosed in 2016 with um, a pretty, I guess, easy form of breast cancer. Um, I felt a lump. I have, you know, I was on time for my mammograms, never really worried about cancer. We mm -hmm. all know those people who mm -hmm. every cough, every lump and bump of aging, they're like, it's cancer. Right. Um, I was never that person. Um, in fact, my husband and I had a trip planned for his birthday and I had my biopsy. Um, and then we took off later that day yeah. because I was so sure it was nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I was at IU for my, um, all my cares at IU, but you know, it's a teaching environment. So I believe it was a fellow level person okay. in the radiology department. And they were like, you know, acting so concerned, so sure mm -hmm. that it was breast cancer that they had discovered. And I was sort of, you know, responded with a, you know, a little pat on the head, like you'll learn, you know, don't, you know, <laughs> No way, no yeah. way I have breast cancer. Yeah. So we left and then um, when on our trip, we had a concert to go to that night at Red Rocks and we were having lunch and, and I got the call thinking, okay, well, what a weight this will be off our shoulders. But instead it was like, oh yeah, no, you have breast cancer. And it was like, I, you know, everyone responds differently, I think, to that moment. Right. It's you know, what I've later learned, I mean, it, it is an episode of trauma. I mean, you're just like, wah, 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 like yeah. what? Mm -hmm. But I was just so pissed. I was so angry. Like, there's no way, you know, I was here on this trip with my husband for his birthday. He actually lost both of his parents to cancer. Okay. Um, or his dad, more of a complication related to cancer treatment that mm. later turned into ALS from leukemia treatment. Okay. Um, and it just felt so wrong, so unfair. I, my first thoughts were, there is no way. I mean, how am I going to tell him this? It was just so unfair. So, um, you know, I t did tell him and we were both just in shock and like, well, I mean, if you have to do something on the night of your cancer diagnosis, I guess going to see a show at Red Rocks isn't like the yeah. worst thing. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was a a dramatic day, sure. you know, and then we talked about how we were going to tell our children. We have two daughters and this was late July. So they were both at these tender moments of their lives where our oldest, Ella, it, was getting ready to start high school. Okay. Okay. And our youngest was getting ready to start fourth grade. And mm -hmm. it was just like, I, we do not have time for this right now. <laughs> this is right. just not okay. Yeah. So went through all the normal treatments. You know, I had um, chemotherapy, which after my lumpectomy, they did realize that it had um, affected some lymph nodes. Okay. So instead of just going the easy route and having the lumpectomy with the radiation, I did need chemotherapy, hmm. which was surprising and that sucked. Um, but I don't know. I've always also been a little 
bit of a rebel, but and I'd always kind of wanted to shave my head and all of that, but was never cool. quite. Yeah, I mean, it's really, really <laughs> a cute look, honestly. <laughs> I never had the guts to do it. So then yeah. I was like, well, fine, that's fine, whatever. I'll, yeah. you know, buy some big earrings, like invest in some cool glasses. Yeah. We'll get through this. It's going to be fine. This yeah. is um, ER positive breast cancer. It's really high survival rate caught it pretty early. I mean, I had had a clean mammogram nine months before. Hmm. So it was fine. I got my port, but when I rang the bell and I was done with treatment, um, you know, I had my port removed. We were done with it. That was a weird, crazy experience. And so we had a party, um, big pirate party, cause a kid had, <laughs> there's a funny story about being in, um, Sullivan's Hardware, looking for Christmas trees that summer when I was bald. I had had a headscarf on, and this little kid ran by and said, look, Mom, it's a pirate. And I think I was wearing, like, hoop earrings, too. Oh, I mean, I yeah. really didn't yeah. think I looked like a pirate, yeah. but I could see why he <laughs> thought that. And the mom was just mortified, you right, know? She yeah. looked at oh me like, God, oh, God, let me just melt into a horn. <laughs> and I was like... Uh, I didn't respond. She just looked at me and then she looked at her kid and was like, no, honey, she's like stronger than a pirate or something. You know, yeah. she's tougher yeah, than a pirate, I think yeah. is what she said. Yeah. And I was like, that's so cool yeah. that she yeah. responded on her feet really quick. Yeah. So it kind of became a running joke, a theme through my treatment that first time. Um, and so we had a big pirate party at the end and, and nice. did a walk, raised some money for Komen and, you know, did all the things you're supposed to, you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. um, what, uh, how long was the chemo cycle for that, that round? So altogether treatment was nine months, but okay. I had the normal ACT, um, adromycin, whatever the other one is, and then t taxol. Um, okay. It was it's pretty harsh. I mean, it was mm -hmm. that red devil that yeah. you get. You know, it was not a nice agreed few months. But yeah. um, <laughs> but you know, really the whole the goal, the vision, all the time was cure yeah. um, mm -hmm. and to be really done with it. So when that port got removed, I really thought it was behind me. Mm -hmm. So yeah. a year later. I might have been on the actual day I rang the bell one year later mm. in 2018. Okay. Um, I noticed a rash on the same breast that had been affected before and went to my doctor about it. Um, I didn't remember like bumping into anything or it was just really strange. Um, I had been feeling tired too, but I also had two daughters. I was working still. I worked through my first round of treatments. I mean, give or take. I mean, I was sure. yeah. had some flexibility in my yeah. job. Yeah. Um, and they put me on an antibiotic and, you know, said they really believed it was cellulitis. And it just happened that I had been doing some marketing work for the School of Medicine, and we were promoting a gift by the Vera Bradley Foundation. Um, and so we were putting together kind of the promotional packets and stuff. I was watching a video of a patient story, a patient with inflammatory breast cancer, and I had never heard of it before, yeah. never even thought to Google it. Um, so really, it resonated with me. I was 
you know, the things she was describing in the video were very similar to what I was experiencing. And so I started Googling it, of course. And, you know, it was like, oh, just be really careful. It spreads like grass fire. Doctors usually think it's cellulitis. They usually prescribe a round of antibiotics and then that doesn't work. So they prescribe another round of antibiotics. And by then it's too late. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. oh shit. Right, right. Yeah. So the next time I went back to the doctor, I was like, this antibiotic doesn't seem to be doing anything. Can we test for inflammatory breast cancer? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I love my care team. I trust them completely. I do feel like I have the best care in the world. But predictably, the response was, it's probably cellulitis. This isn't a big deal. You're probably really emotional about thinking about the end of your treatment last time. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was sort of a fork in the road. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, me personality wise, anyone who knows me, I'm not afraid of conflict. I'm not afraid of confrontation. I do speak up when I think that something is heading in the wrong direction. Um, And it's a moment I think back to a lot because a lot of people, I think, wouldn't have pushed back as hard as I did at the moment. And, you know, I'm like, worst case scenario, I'm emotional and this is cellulitis. Do the test. Mm -hmm. Right. I demand it. Do the test. And maybe I threw in some cuss words and I, you know, maybe (laughs) I got a little more about it, but we did the test and Sure enough, it was inflammatory breast cancer. And there were underlying tumors, too, that were really hard to detect just by touch. So when um, the biopsies and, you know, the ultrasounds and all of that on the other side of that came back, um, we realized we were looking at um, a recurrence, full-blown, and actually a recurrence of something totally different from what I had had the first time. Yeah. So this may be a dumb question, but um, do they feel like that the second occurrence had anything to do with the first? Are they related at all, or who knows? That was one of my first questions, too. Um, There could have been a resistant cell that didn't get hit by the first round of treatment that then just had a heyday mm-hmm. once treatment was over right. um or yeah there could have been a mutation there there's really yeah, yeah a lot of different ideas of what possibly happened okay. um but it just became like action action let's let's get going here Coming with yeah. yeah so i did go through chemotherapy again um and it did contain the inflammatory breast cancer enough to make me a candidate for surgery. So I did have a double mastectomy at that point. And then um, we didn't think that radiation was probably going to be available again because usually it's a one and done treatment option. And I had already had radiation on my left, on my right <laughs> breast. Can't believe I'm forgetting. <laughs> um, and so. On one of my follow-ups from the surgery, there was another little rashy-type blotch along my scar line, and we all freaked out. So we realized that zapping this inflammatory breast cancer was more important than the damage that is likely from a second whole course of radiation in that same area. So I did end up going through a second um, course of radiation, um, 
to get the rest of the inflammatory breast cancer. So then it seemed again, like I was good to go. I mean, blood work was coming back fine. Um, there wasn't any reason to believe that this was going to continue to be a problem as my doctor said, but I kept asking, when's this port coming out? And they're like, mm -hmm. mm, let's maybe leave it in. <laughs> Right. We don't know really what's going to happen, so let's maybe just keep that in. So I was like, Ugh. So how, like I have to ask you this, how are you doing mentally when you hear that? I mean, that's got to be a, a PC way of saying it, a mental challenge for sure. <laughs> yeah, it was a mental challenge. Um, you know, from the beginning, I, and maybe it's just my delusional way of coping, but I just never believed that breast cancer was going to be my killer. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, so I was just, I know they were acting out of extreme precaution and probably being smart. I'd had to have this port thing, you know, it's not a cheap surgery, right. um, in and out. And because of the level of aggression that I was facing, oh, by the way, not only did I have this very rare inflammatory breast cancer, the tumors were also triple negative, which is also very rare and very deadly. And um, to have them in combination, I think was very scary mm -hmm. for my care team, for me, for you know my family, everybody right. around. Um, yeah. You read anything about it, and it's like, yeah, she's a goner. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know, but I th think I just had to like keep moving on and keep believing that, you know, there's low survival, but there is survival. Mm -hmm. And I guess I've got to be, consider myself part of that 1%. Unfortunately, it's not the 1% on super yachts and like dripping with diamonds, <laughs> you know, I'm like, great. Of course, it's supposed to be me, you know, the 1%, but you know, survival, you know, it's not a bad yeah. Like, yeah. situation to be in. I just... There's a few oligarchs who are you know, without yachts right now, then maybe we could make that happen. Yeah. Right. I'm Pick like, one you up know, on a fire hey, right. hello, yeah. I'm a one percenter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't need to see any identification. One percent. That's all you need, right? Right. Isn't there yeah. a card or yeah. something? Yeah, we can make you on Photoshop. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, I was feeling a little bullied by cancer at this point. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you're not even supposed to be in my life, cancer. Like, just leave me alone. Why are you so obsessed with me? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, after all that, it was like, wow, that was really weird. That was crazy. But okay, moving on, you know. Yeah. And then it was six months later, I was having some trouble breathing, um, some pain in my ribs. And there we knew that rib pain, uh, fractured ribs, my bones were going to be brittle after two rounds of radiation. No, I mean, that was just going to be a consequence of, yeah. um, of that course of treatment. So I, but I was really scared. You know, you always hear bone is a very common place for metastasis, um, for breast cancer. Um, so, you know, I went back to the doctor. So the one positive thing of the previous kind of, I don't want to say blow off, but blow off, um, was that suddenly every complaint I had, I, I started getting the attention that I really wanted yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that really yeah. everyone deserves. But, yeah. you know, I, I was like, I, I'm really worried. I, I would like to have this checked out. Mm -hmm. And so I got a CT scan 
and like other people that you've had on the show and like other people who deal with cancer, you know, the CT scan didn't show any problems with what the complaint was, but they were like, we see this little spot, this sneaky little mass over on your other side, the buried deep up in my armpit, but on the other side, which had never been an issue. And you know, they're like, I'm sure it's nothing, but, but. we, we got <laughs> to check gotta it go out. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, you've you got still have to the be port kidding. In at that? Yes. Still, yeah. Okay. In fact, it's with me. Still, yeah. yeah. Bionic woman. Yeah, I liked right? it. Yeah. It's like part of my yeah. street cred. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when that biopsy came back, I was sitting in my oncologist's room, the clinical room, and she came in and just, you know, I, I could tell by the way she was coming in, the news was bad, mm-hmm. but it was like, okay, we didn't even know this was here. I, you know, I'm over here like having like broken ribs and, you know, a little bit of pneumonia and stuff. And it was like, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> cool. But then it was, you know, she's like, there's, you know, I'm like, okay, what's the treatment? And it was like, there isn't any. And I'm like, what? what I'm sorry you, to say that. I was like, what? <laughs> huh? Did you, did you stutter? Yeah. yeah. And it was like, it was unreal. I mean, I do, well, like, like a lot of trauma survivors, it was like, I do almost feel like it was like this out of body. It was like, wait, what? And yeah, she's like, you know, you probably have 12 to 18 months to live. Um, I'm so sorry. And I, I don't know. It was just, I don't know. It was unreal. It was, yeah. it was just absolutely unreal. Um, it, just all of a sudden being in terminal illness territory. Um, but then she let me know and I could not even tell you the timing. I don't know if it was that afternoon. It could have been like later after blood work in that same visit. It could have been a week later. I really have no idea. There was a phase one clinical trial available that only had 18 spots. Um, It was only open to people within the care at IU Simon Cancer Center. Um, It was a local trial, locally funded realized later it was this idea this hunch that a phd student had that was like maybe we should try this and they were like okay (laughs) it just really a miracle i mean Mm -hmm. what are the chances like to be in indiana be under the care of this particular doctor to at this exact time to have this exact thing that they're investigating um, I'm like, uh, yeah, absolutely. Sign me up. I am not ready to give up on this. Right. There's just mm-hmm. no way. I mean, I'm like, I'm not dying of breast cancer. There's no way I'm going to like get mauled by a bear in the woods <laughs> or I'm going to like be hiking in a storm and a tree's going to follow me or I don't know something or rushing into a burning building to save kittens and children. <laughs> like I have, I can't go down. Like, so I was number 17 in this trial. Um, and so, and I got assigned to this high dose group. I had 
that first dose and it was a total whopper. Like it almost took me down. Yeah. I mean, I had symptoms I'd never had before after that infusion. Um, I ended up in the hospital for a couple nights. It was very scary. I didn't know what was happening. I was like, it was like I had meningitis and like epilepsy and everything all at once. I mean, there was so much pain. Um, and so we were like kind of confused after that of what we should do. I mean, it was a phase one trial, which Mm -hmm. there were a lot of people in my life that were like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. If you have 12 to 18 months to live, we're going to live those 12 to 18 months. You're not going to like go be in a phase one trial, which is basically testing the safety of the medicine, which I'm sure you know, but it's not even testing efficacy. It's like, will injecting this medicine kill people? (laughs) So they were like, why would you do this? You know? And I, I just, there had to be some action. I just couldn't. And it was my, the only option really presented to me. So when, let me ask you this, when you had that first dose, you're in the hospital with all the side effects going on. What was the care team like at that point? Because they have no experience yeah. with that. Yeah. I'm just curious how they're how they're reacting to that. Well, aside from taking all the notes, all the like note, yeah. sure, yeah. they were stunned. Nobody else had ever had a reaction. No, I was number seventeen. I wasn't number okay. two or three. Yeah. Right. You know, um, it was shocking okay. to them. So the prior sixteen folks, let's say, did mm-hmm. not react the same way. No, interesting. Okay. So, you know, and to their credit, like the director, the president, Pat Lair of the yeah. cancer center came to my hospital bedside. Um, my oncologist, Kathy Miller, came to my bedside. Like people were there like, what the hell just right. happened? Um, and it was scary for sure. But I'm not sure which of the people who visited were the one to say it, but as soon as they said it, I knew it was true that maybe this is what it felt like to kill all those fuckers, like, you know, <laughs> and that Can my body that? was going <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> into shock because yeah. it was, it was hitting it, it everywhere. was hitting it hard yeah. and it was really killing the cancer. Yeah. And I wanted so bad to believe it, but yeah. I don't, I didn't feel like it was even like wishful thinking. I felt like that feels right. I, I think that's what's happening. Yeah. Um, and you know, in the matter of those few weeks between being told there was no standard treatment available to me and maybe we could try this clinical trial, there wasn't any magic new option on the table. So when I was talking to my oncologist, I was, you know, like, I, I mean, I want to stay on the trial. Mm. She's like, you're nuts. You know, this almost killed you. Like you, I don't know. So we had to go back and forth with that for a while. And what was the typical time between, so this may be dumb, but you had first dose, had that reaction. What was going to be the time frame between first dose and second dose? Is it like days, weeks? Yeah. So for that, for the test drug, it was going to be three weeks, but okay. the trial required weekly infusions. Okay. Hmm. So there were two weeks in the between where you would get a, an already FDA approved drug. Okay. So... Okay you would get like the double dose week one and week four and so forth every okay. three weeks. And then in between two and three, five, six, you know, 
right. math. Yeah, yeah. Um, were going to be just this other drug that okay. was just the single. So you were somewhere okay. in week two or three when they were talking like, I don't know if we're going to do week four, correct? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I mean... I was in week one. I mean, well, the, yeah. Because you said the trial, you were getting the, that drug every week, right? Well, or, I was getting every, it every three weeks. Every I was three supposed weeks. to okay. get it every okay. three weeks. So okay. that first dose, though, I mean, I, I was in the hospital immediately. Okay. Well, 24 hours yeah. later. Yeah. I had to go in for a 24-hour checkup, and they took one look at me and were like, oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> like, you don't look good. I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was hospitalized that night, and um, – but, you know, talking to my oncologist, she's like, okay, three things have to be true if I'm even going to, like, consider this. And I'm even if those things are true, I'm not sure I'm going to allow it. Yeah. But, A, you have to be able to tolerate the the G drug. I forget what it was called. But yeah. the, the standard one. Right. Um, okay. If, with this next week before we even think about giving you this test drug again. Um, two, an ultrasound has to show that there's been any reduction in size of this tumor over on your left side. Hmm. And three, after all that, that you have to be to, to, to see a reduction that fast. Yeah. yeah. Right. I'm not a and I was thinking like, okay, maybe there's like some microscopic way of like measuring, uh, yeah, you know, and that maybe even the measuring instruments, they could be like, well, I mean, if you, it depends on if you're looking on the outside is. of the, yeah. like, you know, yeah. um, so, you know, I was like, that's fair. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I understand. So when I went back for the ultrasound, um, to check on the size of the tumor, the radiologist was, <laughs> she's like, if I didn't know your history, I'd be like, who the hell ordered this ultrasound? Like it was gone. Wow. It was absolutely gone. Um, Wow. Yeah, I was laying there. She was supposed to do the ultrasound to test for the sizing, but also to get three samples from it to, you know, for the clinical trial. Yeah. She's like, I can't get three. I got nothing to get like, from. I, got, I, I just biopsied out, or I just, yeah, tested out. I got the clip. Like, I know I'm looking at the right, the right area, the right lymph node, because I just literally took the clip out. Um, and I mean, I just was crying. I mean, obviously it was the most unexpected thing in the world. Again, I'm hoping that there's error in the measurement instrument, that there's some like not even discernible shrinkage so that maybe I had a chance of staying on this trial. Um, so, I mean, because of my previous job at the school of medicine, I happened to have my oncologist's cell phone number mm -hmm. and I literally just called her. I'd never used it before. Um, yeah. because they were trying to call the office, but I was laying on the table with it. She's like, do we need samples from the nearby lymph nodes? Do we only care about this one lymph node? Like I, we don't even know what to do. Like right. this was yeah. insane. And so <clears throat> I called Dr. Miller and you know, I, I just don't know if I ever had or have since like heard her just speechless, like, and we were all just stunned. I mean, there was just no explanation for it. I mean, it, it was just incredible. So, and the radiologist, she's like, this is a good thing. You know? <laughs> I'm like sobbing. I don't know what I'm like, I, know. <laughs> I know, but I just, I can't believe it. So, um, 
you know, I don't know if a little is good, then a lot is better, I guess. Right. I just refused to leave the trial. I yeah. just, I, I refused. So yeah. I was getting weekly chemo for nine months. I stayed on this trial. I mean, every three weeks I got this test drug, but I, probably there was no additional benefit after mm -hmm. that first dose. I, well, so did you react the same after those? No, they, um, or, no? or maybe it's I got a lot of, um, like medications to prevent a lot of the sure. side effects okay. that I had. Okay. I didn't get any side effect medicine that first dose. Okay. Right. Um, just cause I don't know how you're going to react. Right. Yeah. What I'd be really curious to know, and I don't know if this is public information or not, but hmm. of these 16 prior patients mm -hmm. who didn't have the same reaction, mm -hmm. what was their outcome? That would, I would, that'd be yeah. curious. I mean, that's the, I guess the little nerd inside of me would want to know, like, if they did not have a positive outcome, what's the correlation between your reaction, their lack of reaction, and, and the outcome? Did yeah, I think they there there wasn't much of a response. Yeah, did they give you any information about you know, because you had already had cancer twice at this point, mm -hmm. going into this is your third, you know, mm -hmm. bad at it. Mm -hmm. If anyone else in the trial was similar situation or anything along those lines. Um. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of just well, rules I do know, I, I believe, I think this is what mm -hmm. I've heard is that I'm the only one who had inflammatory breast cancer along what they were testing. The on was really triple negative. Okay. And with only 18 people, you know, triple negative breast cancer is basically the other category. It's not its own thing. I mean, it could be five different types of breast cancer. It could be 500 different types of breast cancer. So with an N of 18, it's possible that everyone had a different kind of breast cancer. Yeah. And, or, you know, the marker for their triple negative was different. Mm -hmm. There's speculation that the reason I reacted so strongly to it was because of the inflammatory breast cancer okay. being involved. I didn't get disqualified because of having that. And it may have been the secret sauce, so to speak. Okay. Um, I do know that I'm the only one from the trial who had a strong reaction, hmm. positive or negative first, yeah. then positive. Then positive. Right, yeah. 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 So, um, I mean, who would have ever thought again, living in Indiana would have been lucky and then mm -hmm. having inflammatory breast cancer with triple negative would have been somehow lucky. But I think that's just the beauty of research and participation in clinical trials. And I have to use every opportunity I can to just emphasize how important it is. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, your doctor's not going to allow you to be on a trial that's going to hurt you. I, I mean, I guess unless it's phase one and they don't know when you end up in the <laughs> hospital. <laughs> but I, I just, I just think it, it is so important. That's what moves medicine, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah. and there has been a lot of learning from my case. Um, they've mapped my genome of the mm -hmm. genome of the tumor. Um, research in that area is progressing, and so that's just. It's really exciting. You know, yeah. you don't ever want to have a terminal illness. You don't ever, yeah. you know, something so serious that it disrupts life the way that stage four cancer can disrupt your life. But 
I guess if you have to go through it, then at least there can be some benefit to it. I mean, mm -hmm. I have two daughters. The last thing I would ever want is for them to get a diagnosis like this and have anyone ever look at them and say, there's nothing we can do for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Um, when you finished the trial, how long was the trial roughly? Well, I was on it for nine months. Nine months. Okay. And finally with the COVID pandemic, it, so it was March of 2020 when she, my doctor was like, this is the most dangerous place for you to be. You cannot be, you, we have to end this. <laughs> you have to okay. be done. I think I stayed <laughs> on it until May. Of 20. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Um, and then finally it was like, okay, I think I'm done. Um, so, okay, and yeah. there's never been any indication of cancer in my body since that first ultrasound or since that first follow-up. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I've, how often are you going back at this point? To so like about every three months right. I get scanned, yeah. um, more frequently if I have complaints, I have now turned into one of those people that every time I have trouble coughing or a rattle in my lung or whatever i yeah you're yeah, yeah. i'm like is it back can i have a yeah, scan yeah, you know yeah, and so yeah. in fact i did just have one last week because i was just having a lot of pain over on my right side turned out to be another broken rib but oh, you know like fun. is there the rib yeah. transplants yeah. by the way like can i, <laughs> I like, are we there yet with yeah. <laughs> plastics or anything but yeah, yeah so it was, you know, we celebrated again, like, woohoo, broken rib. Yeah. Yeah. Because I failed radiation oncology class. Um, <laughs> That's is, why. is that going to be an ongoing issue or will it get better over time or just something? I don't know. I am at the point now where I'm really sick of having broken ribs. Mm -hmm. And so I have finally caught on that my oncology team is like looking for cancer and they focus on treating cancer. Right. If it's not cancer, it's kind of not their area and I need to probably go seek some um, bone health mm -hmm. care um, and you know maybe get on some bone strengthening I don't know for sure that that's even an option or right. if that will fix what is going on because it's not typical osteoporosis or anything right. um, but I, I do probably need to look into that because I mean a strong sneeze breaks a rib I mean, it's not wow. like just yeah. bumping into something or You're meaning. not wrestling those bears. Right. Yeah. Well, as much as I want to, right. <laughs> so I guess, um, you're going back every three months. Um, I was going to say what kind of, what's the protocol, but really that since they don't really know per se, I mean, this is all kind of new ground. It is, it is. I'm like in this wild west of, you know, yeah. nobody really understands why I'm doing so well. Um, obviously trying to replicate it so yeah. there's a lot more stories like mine mm -hmm. but the fact is we just don't know and I it's <laughs> it's tough I'm a planner I really like <laughs> to know what's going on yeah, right. um to not have that I mean nobody has certainty right but like a fair amount of certainty that you know two years from now, like I, I really can't plan ahead. Right. Um, it's, it's really hard. And there's these moments of crises where I'm like, what am I supposed to be doing with my time? Am yeah. I supposed to still be traveling and clicking off things on my bucket list? But 
you know, I've been doing that for some years now and I'm like, okay, is it time to just like settle down and, you know, get back yeah. to work or is it, I, you know, it's just, it's hard to figure that out or it's like taking naps, irresponsible. Um, I don't know. So I, I've started an MSW program. I'm in the school of social work at IU. I really have loved going back to school. So I'm trying to, you know, I guess, give myself therapy yeah. <laughs> and plan for a future, which mm -hmm. feels really cool and unreal. Um, but it's just yeah. this a little bit of an identity crisis. Cause I, I think you know, the only question that you've posed there of the four or five that I could actually answer just my opinion, of course, on the bucket list thing. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. Keep you going. Keep, keep doing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Why not? What, what's been your favorite bucket list item that you've crossed off so far? We've gone to a lot of national parks. Oh, cool. It's been really cool. And I have been the best at pressuring my friends <laughs> to, you know, do whatever I want. And yeah. so we take these bucket list trips, you know, we've gone to, um, well, we had a trip all planned to Yosemite, oh. but you know, fires yeah. <laughs> disrupted that. So yeah. we ended up in Tahoe, boohoo, okay. you know, yeah, right. <laughs> um, and been to Santa Fe. Okay. Um, and I realized the only state I haven't been to now is Alaska. So okay. naturally I'm like, okay, I guess we're nice. all going to Alaska next year. I want right. to see the Northern Lights. And, see Denali and yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been really cool to travel. I really yeah. have enjoyed that, but I don't feel like I need to move anywhere anymore. I mean, I yeah. really, yeah. comforted to be here um my you know a lot of good medical care here my family's yep. here great friends so mm -hmm. i can travel and see all the cool stuff yeah. i want to yep. see yeah well what uh you've had i mean made several different statements here i, I wrote several of them down um one that i i hope to to use because that's my favorite four-letter word in it <laughs> um <laughs> oh, shoot. what uh what would you, what advice would you give anyone else out there? I mean, what, what sticks with you? What's the messaging that sticks with you the most? I mean, you, you for sure said it best where you're glad you, you did the trial and you're thankful yeah. that trials like this exist. And, yeah. and we're thankful that it existed and the timing was perfect and you, yeah. that you got into it for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but any insight you would give any other women experiencing the same thing? Yeah. Um, I've become a little bit of a lightning rod now when somebody gets a diagnosis of breast cancer. I, in my orbit, I tend to get a call and I'm getting too many calls. Um, it really makes me mad. Um, this has always been an old person's disease and my friends and family are getting these diagnoses in their 30s and 40s yeah. and it is not okay. And I think the advice I tend to give, you know, there's all this pressure to be upbeat and positive, and that is important. And we do have to go into our medical treatments with positivity and with trust for our care teams. Um, they're pulling people out of the river, so to speak. And I am just really hoping to focus more now on the why. Why is this bridge so broken upstream? Why are so many people falling into this river? Mm -hmm. What is it? I mean, I had no risk factors. So many people that I know have no risk factors. They nurse their children. They had children on the younger end of things. They weren't smokers. They aren't 
you know, there, there's nothing to blame the people, you know? So what is it that we're breathing or that we're eating or that we're, you know, eating or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, what is it? Um, and I think a big part of breast cancer awareness, yes, it's important to stay current on your mammograms and it's important to seek preventative medical care. But I think increasingly it is really important to start asking some of those hard questions that make people uncomfortable and to start demanding better answers for why is this happening so frequently to people who are so much younger. Um, this is not a pretty disease. I mean, there are the pink ribbons and, and the rallying around the communities, but it's ugly and it's devastating to families. And yes, there is high survival, but there are too many people still dying of yeah. this disease and it's unnecessary. It feels unnecessary. And so to really eradicate it, I think some awareness needs to start getting pointed toward the culprit. Well, Jenny, we certainly appreciate you coming in and sharing your story with us. Yes. Um, anything we can do to, uh, to assist, we're happy to do so. I'm glad we're still here. I am too. I mean, I'm glad. We can we can share and commiserate to some yes. extent. Um, like old times, we'll sneak beers out of our parents' fridges and, <laughs> and do that sort of thing. Not that we ever did that. Not that we ever did that. No. So anyway, thank you guys for joining us today on this episode of the Summits Podcast. We appreciate you guys listening in from wherever you get your podcasts. Or for those of you folks watching on the Heroes Foundation YouTube channel, thank you. If you haven't hit that little subscribe button, please do so. It's free. And then hit the little notification bell so you guys can be alerted when new episodes drop. Uh, until next time, beat cancer. <laughs>